I left my heart in San Francisco. Hi guys, welcome You've never to the been to San Francisco. I have been to San Francisco actually. Me too. Oh my god, it's so amazing. It'd be as amazing as us hosting the Split Screen Gaming Podcast this oh! week, a weekly podcast where we kind of talk about video games sometimes on an occasionally weekly basis. We are three lifelong friends. I am Holden Depardo, and you are Chad Michelle Nice. Chad Michael Ennis we'll in English. With, we'll stick with the second one for right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we have a good show for you. Who's our third one? You said three. They will remain nameless because they can't speak for themselves because they're tied to a chair next to the third microphone. We have John Cena here again. We do have John Cena John here Cena again. Back. John guys, Cena John is Cena back. John Cena is back. Unless you listen to episode three, you'll have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> anyway, we have a good show. We're going to talk about first what we've been playing. We got some new stories to talk about. And then we're going to talk about is there a place for a third console between Xbox and PlayStation? Hold on, fuck your thoughts. I'm hijacking this podcast, and we're talking about Pokemon Go right now, <laughs> because that's what I played. Absolutely. Okay. And you're not hijacking anything. You have an equal voice in this, just like I hope I would have. Okay. But I don't, because you're talking to the this podcast. This podcast, right in all honesty, is five days late because of Pokemon Go. And I was sick. I, and, I will well, take credit for it as well. Well, well, Sunday night, I said, Holden, um... Will you come downtown with me so I can catch an Articuno? My head was like, fuck no. And he said, well, I mean, if it's not raining, yeah. I was like, cool. And then we'll just catch it, and then we'll go back and we'll record the podcast. And then he came back like 30 minutes later. He's like, you know what? Like, <laughs> you go do that. I'll go back to my place. And yeah. So I did it. And then he was sick. But Pokemon fucking Go Fest happened this past weekend. On Saturday, I was not a part of the festival, the fest, that you paid $25 if you wanted to get in, or a trillion Which thousand dollars. would have been free anyway. Uh, what? Because they refunded everyone's ticket, didn't they? Uh, well, if you didn't buy it from a scalper for $200, then yes. Just or if you didn't idiots. fly all the way from China. But yeah, Pokemon Go Fest, uh, servers down all through the event, fucking no one could connect to it, hilarious, awful, poor people who bought all that shit, but some beautiful things came out of it. Some beautiful, beautiful things. Like those sweet-ass sexy birds. Uh, thanks to Pokemon Go Fest. very Everyone, excited. I said I'm hijacking this podcast, so you can shut your whore mouth. Sorry, I'll stop talking. We don't fight on this podcast. It's right, because I just am submissive. We don't and- fight on this podcast, <laughs> and that's final. Lugia was gifted to everyone who came to the fest, but because they fucked up so much, anywhere within a two-mile radius of Grant Park for three days... You could fight a legendary raid, which took up like 15 to 20 people to do. Mm-hmm. And then those legendary birds were guaranteed you catch them on the first try, no matter what, for two days within that two-mile radius. Just as a like, hey, sorry, we fucked up. Anywhere else in the world, hey, you had to catch them like a fucking poor person. That Was it just were. that one area that had the problem? Well, no, because Pokemon Go Fest fucked up, which yeah, is that like, Grant Park. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, they extended Pokemon Go Fest. At, at first, during the festival... To a two-mile radius so that people could get out of the same area and try to ease the congestion on the networks. Mm-hmm. And then just left it that way. And you could also get Heracross, which I did, which was which is normally like Central America exclusive or something like that. Mm-hmm. Got that shit. But yeah, I went down there. First of all, Sunday morning. I woke up at 6.45 in the morning because I had to work at 10. And I said, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to catch some birds before work. 
I went down. <laughs> like, I'm like shaking my head right now. I went down there, and it was so goddamn beautiful. All these little baby families. I walked down there, like, oh look, there's an Articuno at a raid over there. And I go and I see there's. A I just family pictured of four. a little like adult looking baby, like a, uh, yes. a, like a smaller Adults baby baby fedoras and mustaches <laughs> with, that are also babies. There's a family of four, and families. then uh, a father and son. Like, all standing there. I'm like, hey, are you guys battling the Articuno? And they're like, yeah, but we can't get in. Or we tried and we failed. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, cool, let me try too. And we fought it and fucking beat it. But then and then you catch caught it. Because we weren't within two miles of Grant Park. Oh. And I didn't know it had that 100% success rate. I was like, damn it. Well, I can't fight this raid again. So I went to another raid a couple blocks away. Beat that with a bunch of people. There are so many people everywhere. There's so many people well, yeah. playing this game. Sunday morning at 7.30 in the morning in downtown Chicago. It's so freaking beautiful. But this is why I knew I had to do it this weekend. Because I did this three times in downtown Chicago, Mm -hmm. but not within that two-mile radius. Beat Articuno, couldn't catch him. And I was like, son of a bitch. It's 9.30. I work in a half an hour. I got to go. So I went to work. I was like, it's okay. It's fine. I just won't have these legendary birds. I'll get to it one day. And then a friend texts me, hey, look what I just got on the first throw, Articuno. Look what I just got on the first throw. Lugan is like, son of a bitch! And that's when I texted Holden and said, or, yeah, I did. I texted you and I said, hey, can we go downtown? And I was like that. And then I went downtown and it was beautiful. I went to the Bean, Millennium Park. I went to the Bean and there were hundreds of people. This is kind of why I didn't want to go. It just seemed like too much. It's so cool. This huge community is finally back out, but there are hundreds of people there fighting you had no problem finding 20 people to do this raid i got that articuno boom like that i got that lugia boom like that i went and found two more articunos got them bitches up in that snatch caught them up in my balls <laughs> you're so excited tuck those balls deep inside my pokedex after chad tells me the story i remind him he can no longer make fun of me hold for on, playing hold so on. much I zelda am hyd- you oh, don't no, fight no, no. on this podcast <laughs> we don't <laughs> um so I got those sweet ass birds. <laughs> but from I said, here but listen, to I knew I had to do this Sunday. I'm gonna night. talk over you right now, Chad. Articuno, it's been confirmed. Articuno's going away on the 31st. Oh really? I should get on that. Not. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so I was like, I have to do this now while everybody's so excited about it, and, and everyone was out that weekend. Otherwise, I would have so much trouble trying to find someone, 20 people, to defeat this raid with me. Yeah. Because on Tuesday. I had the day off work, and I was like, you know what? I got back. From, I was on my way home from the gym. I was like, oh, there's a little Lugia raid over there. I'm sure there'll be enough people. I walk over there, two. Me and one other person. No fucking way I'd ever catch that bird again. So I'm so glad that this podcast mm-hmm. is late. If you are following the news, there will be a Moltres coming out August mm-hmm. 7th through the 14th. Or, uh, oh, no, wait, 1st through the 7th, and then Zapdos is 7th through the 14th. Anyway, a legendary bird is coming out the first week of August and the second week of August. They're only available for a week. Find some friends. Go catch it. It's going to be hella good. I'm so fucking excited. Are you going to go with me? Are you going to go with me to get these? No. Holden. You're my best friend. <laughs> I just... I, I don't know. Like, the whole... Like, I'm, I think it's an amazing phenomenon. Like, I'm not... Like, there are people who kind of put down how successful Pokemon Go is. Yeah. Like, oh, it started really big, but now no one plays it. I'm like, no, a ton of people still play it. It just started out uber gigantic yep and it now is just gigantic and then all those people came back out when they 
mm-hmm. relaunch the raids and things like that. Yeah. So there's still a definitely interest there. I'm going to give Pokemon or Niantic the benefit of the doubt here, though. Everyone's giving them a hard time about what happened. If you have any amount of phones in such a dense yeah. area like that, that's going to happen. I really think that it probably wasn't even their servers that were at fault. It, it was they, just the mobile they network. They did come out and say it was both. It was, it was both, both the servers okay. and the mobile That's network. That's bold of them. And they they put just... a lot of blame on the, the network. So like, hey, we gave you guys plenty of notice and you guys did nothing. So. Yeah. What I love, though, is that the whole thing was sponsored by Sprint. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's really funny. Um, But there's a really good article written by Andrew Goldfarb on IGN. Go read it. He was actually at the event. But he's like, it's, a, it's really representative of Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. And it's really like the fact that it happened a year afterwards is really telling. Yeah. Because... It is such a cool event. All these people are together. There's such a huge sense of community, but also the game fucking crashed and didn't work at all all day. So it's like, yeah, that's how it launched. That's how it is on its one year anniversary at this big event. It's like so fitting, but everyone had a good time. Yeah, it's still. I mean, burn. I don't. I, I gave you a hard time on this podcast and off the podcast as yeah, well for playing this yeah. game. But like in all honesty, it's really there's nothing else like Pokemon Go. It's there's nothing else that is such a social game, but in the real world as opposed to just like playing destiny online with your friends yeah like you went downtown chicago to play this game with thousands of other people yeah there that's were, incredible i think it was estimated like forty thousand people that's amazing i mean that's literally like a football field of people like nope. football field stadium nope a football field is 100 yards that has nothing to do with people <laughs> The stadium has seats, Chad. Okay, okay. And you can you sit in those seats. seats. But I yeah, did say football field, and then I said stadium kind of delayed after. But <laughs> Oh, see, I stopped listening because we don't fight on this podcast. You just stop listening to people when, when they say things opposing your own views. That's how it works. Yeah, that's yeah. Trump's America. That's Trump's America, We're absolutely. We're not political podcast holding. <laughs> so that's very cool and all. Yeah. I played a very cool game with you just now, though. Yeah. Yes, we do want to talk about that. Tell me about that goddamn shit. It was, what was it called? Screen Sheet? Screen Sheet. So you know how, like... All right, I want to just take it back for a second. You're playing GoldenEye with your friends in N64 back yeah, in the 90s, right? Are. And you want to get the leg up, so what do you do? You look at your friend's screen to cheat so you can find out where they are and you can find them. Everyone, I'm sure, did this. Yep. I know I did this. Come yep. on, you did this. Everyone did this. So this is a game centered around that mechanic of screen sheeting. And the idea is that you cannot see... It's a first-person shooter. Yeah. You cannot see your opponent. Yeah. Everyone in the game is invisible. Everyone in the game is invisible. You just have to look at their screen to find out where they are. And it actually works better than you would think. Yeah. It's super, super fun. A lot of it is just in the, the map layout and how it separates the maps into quadrants of colors. Yeah, I think that's really helpful that every single map has a pretty cool layout, but it's also, yeah, you can see, oh, that guy's in the purple area. I exactly. The purple area. Or you mean like, oh, he's in the bridge that is purple and yellow, so I need to go to the purple-yellow bridge yep. to get to him. So, But it's like a clear divide of like a line straight through purple-yellow. Like It's super noticeable where they are. It's also noticeable of what direction they're facing. So if you played this game a lot, I could tell that you get very, very good. But it is hard. We were playing against the bots... Uh, because I guess there's no one online matchmaking. I guess is... not. I mean, the game's been out for like six months. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Is it really it that like, old? Like, okay. Yeah, but I bought it for like four bucks during a sale last week. I think it's worth it. It's not the best looking game in the world, but the gameplay was so fun. Yeah. There was one mode that didn't work that well for me on two player, and that was the pinata. So oh, yeah. You had this pinata, and it's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, with two players, it's really shitty. It's but. really hard, yeah. So basically what it is is you hold the pinata, and you're not necessarily visible, but you can see the person's holding the pinata. Or you can see the pinata that they're holding moving around. Yeah. So you can... It's much easier to tell you know, where to shoot, and you get the point for how long you've held the pinata. But if there's only two people, you can just kind of 
run the opposite. So we run a map that was kind of, I guess it was circular, and you'd kind of run around the perimeter yeah, of the circular orbital. map. It was like orbital, it was yeah. Space, so you could run completely around. It, it was like a Mario Galaxy kind of thing. Yeah, running around a small little planet. Um, but you're rolling, and you, you it's, it's not purple. The right it's word. spherical. Spherical, yeah. I don't know, ellipsoidal. I I get, I get what you meant. Um, there was a purple, a red, a yellow, and a blue section. So like, if Chad was in the blue section, and I'm coming after him, he can see that I'm in the red section and just keep moving one space or one color ahead of me. So I was never really going to catch up to him unless I could turn around and hope he doesn't notice I'm going the opposite direction. Yeah, but again, you did. the whole opposite, the whole thing is look at the other person's screen yeah so that's it's fun it is super super fun. fun i kind of want them to do um i guess it's not even re-releasing it i just i think people would have fun if they played that game yeah i don't think it's a very well-known game i think it worked really well on the switch that's just because you want everything on the switch. i want everything on the switch actually it wouldn't work well on the switch actually because you couldn't do two joy cons two separate joy cons for two people why not if you're doing twin stick shooter it's not a twin stick it is a Twin stick shooter, yeah. No, twin stick shooter is a top-down one controls your movement, the other. Okay, that's fair. I guess fire. I'm saying you use both sticks to control it because it's a first-person shooter. I guess you're right. And I mean, I guess you could use the the directional buttons, like the C buttons on the N64, to control mm, the camera. I don't think so. That would be really terrible. I mean, you could, yeah, it would be awful. It would be awful. In concept, it's that kind of couch co-op game that would work well on the Switch, minus the fact the controls of the Switch don't work with it. Also, if you played it on the go with those four tiny baby screens, yeah. But it's fun as shit. Go play. I think it's, it's very like fun. Ten bucks in full price. Actually, it'd be terrible on the Switch because imagine if you're doing like local ad hoc play or something like that. You have to like sit next to the person you're playing with and like look over at their Switch occasionally to see what they're no, doing. No, it it, it it will always show you all screens. No, but saying on the Switch, like if it were to work like that, like having a split screen on a handheld that you're holding yourself would yeah. look kind of weird. So that itself would be weird. But also doing it on the Switch where you're looking at over at your opponent's switch would also be weird like there's just no way that game would actually work so my you whole here first look, it would be terrible on switch it'd be terrible switch is terrible but Holden i started Depardo, i started to, <laughs> i started saying it was gonna be great it'd be terrible it'd be awful but i played one more game this week what, did you, what else did you play i played until dawn yes you did and i beat it until dawn not the vr rush of blood of the head yes not which rush, i don't i don't like play album sorry but until dawn's awesome it's just a hard movie you're playing actually it's like a hard tv show that you're playing out yeah and i don't like how much slashers my question for you is, how much does it really change, depending on your your actions? I, we're going to go well, spoilers up, right now. There are straight up characters that aren't there anymore. Because here's, I'm oh, gonna, you're talking about like the butterfly effect stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've only played through one time, but I do know that like there are things like if you are, you could either not make out with this girl and she's wearing all her clothes, or you could be making out with her and she's in her bra and panties. So in one scene, I thought you played it multiple times. No, I only played it once. Oh, okay. Um. Because I don't know, like, how they could really change things that much, because I'm, we're doing spoilers. This game's been out for long enough. Yep. And it's also free with PlayStation Plus, so. Yes. The character Josh is was the killer for me, or at least, like, the fake killer. Yeah. That's kind of trying to trick everybody. He's always the... Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would kind of hope, like, things like that could change, and that'd be kind of interesting. But, like, what happened... So, there, did you get the moment where Chris has to decide if he's going to kill Ashley or Josh with the, with the hacksaw? I don't remember. And he kind of chooses his path to which one's going to kill. What if you killed Josh first, but Josh's body... Or what if you killed Ashley first? Based on what they showed later, Josh couldn't then, like, stand up and get off of the contraption because his head is there as, like, on a dummy body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does this make sense? 
I don't know. So, like, man. would you I notice we'll a dummy body? Like, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I want to go back and play things because that decision could change things in the story. Like, you find out much earlier that Josh is actually the killer because you accidentally kill Ashley instead. Yeah. Like, things like that. But I don't get the impression that things would change as much. I guess I thought it would be more. It'd be different, but I feel like it's how many people are in the room at the end when the when you're gonna blow the house up, or you know who gets kidnapped first kind of thing. But people who get kidnapped generally still come back. Like I thought everyone had died, and then there's kind of that oh Josh is a killer. None of these people are actually dead. They're just kind of like locked up somewhere. So I want to go back again and play some of that stuff yeah. to see and what you happens. Should play it with a room of people. Yeah, I haven't done that. Yeah, that's fun as fuck. And that's kind of my next goal is I want to do it that way. Um, all my roommates are home now, so... <laughs> yeah, they are. All that right. That should work out. And... But it was still really fun to kind of, like, be in those moments and be like, oh, shit, okay, I got to either hide or run right now. And I really don't know what oh, the I consequence... I really like the hiding mechanic where you have to hold the controller yes, completely exactly, still. exactly. Yes, and if you move it, you're caught. Yep, that worked super, super well. I also like how the game teaches you these mechanics... Because I was kind of playing around with it, um, in the uh, replaying it again, so I put the beginning all over again. So like in the beginning, a squirrel comes up to you, and you have to like get the squirrel to eat some acorns out of your hand. You have to keep still in order to do that. Yep. That's just teaching you how to keep the controller still without any consequence. Because I kept failing, I kept purposely moving my controller <laughs> over and over again, and I had the squirrel run away, and then kind of like start to kind of come back again. And I did it three times, and he kept doing it over and over. So. I liked how they kind of taught you that. That way, when it did matter, when the killer was just around the corner and you were like hiding, like, and you're like, "Come get me!" Just kidding. Yeah. Come get me. I'm moving my controller on purpose. Just kidding. Yeah, like that was that was cool. They did that. There's also I think one of my favorite moments of oh, I love how this decision kind of tied back in really well. Did you leave the baseball bat downstairs in the basement? I don't remember. So there was a point where you're uh, you're Hayden Panettiere's character. Yeah, you're with Rami Malek, and you're in the basement, and you see a bat and you don't have to look at it if you don't want to but if you do you have this little conversation back forth with Rami Malik about the bat and then you put it down somewhere and a little butterfly effect effect thing comes up so I'm like oh this will matter at some point later on in the game Hidden Penitier is being chased by the killer she's running down to the basement and the baseball bat's down there for yeah. her to use like I liked those kind of moments where something completely inc- unconsequential you would think actually does have big consequence damn it now i want to play this game again so i do want to see the so small i played it let's play this right now let's stop i would the play it again and let's play yeah we'll stop recording right the podcast this kind of podcast is fucking stupid anyway <laughs> we don't fight on this podcast yeah. um, we don't fight so on this podcast i guess what i'm saying overall is that i feel like there would be those kind of small differences like I would still get captured by that killer in that moment because i get the impression that's kind of what has to happen I just wouldn't have had the baseball bat and be involved. Is it those kind of decisions where I don't think so. an element is just kind of part of the same sequence, but it doesn't necessarily impact the sequence? I'm I'm pretty sure they're they're bigger changes. Like it's not you always get the same ending no matter what, but yeah, not necessarily ending, but like that chapter ends the same way yeah. no matter what you do. I'm pretty sure they're they're pretty big changes. I'm curious to see how that kind of plays in the second playthrough. But it was even without those changes, it was still enjoyable. Yeah kind of going through it and it's funny because it kind of lends some insight into like the quote-unquote stupid decisions that people make in horror movies like like uh emily at the end got bit by the monster she's going to turn into the monster at the end of it and there's the whole like do we shoot her do we not shoot her and i'm like i like emily's character like not like liked it but like they're her friends i feel like i have that connection there i don't want to just kill this person that i've been like talking to this entire time whereas in like a hard movie it's so easy to be like fucking kill him yep like it's done <laughs> like why why would you keep him around they're obviously gonna turn into a zombie yep there wasn't that moment i do however 
really want them to make this style game for like a Dawn of the Dead, like we're trapped in the mall, like kind of decision making in those in those mm. scenarios. I think that'd be really fun. Well, they're not doing that because they're making yes. four other games at the same time right now. Are they really? Wow. They're making, well, I don't know if it's four. It's definitely three. Did they make the game we played last week where, no. okay. They are making a PlayLink game called Hidden Agenda. They are also making a VR game. The Impatient uh, or something like that? Yes. Yeah. The one that's like a prequel to that or like takes yeah. place 40 years before that. And then they're also making like a cover-based shooter one, I think. Really? Interesting. I can't remember. But yeah, they're making, they announced three things at E3 that they're, they're making. Yeah. So that was, that was really good. I had a good time with Until Dawn. It's free on PlayStation Plus, so. Yep. Hey, you know what else I played? Fucking the coolest VR game I've ever played. Super hot VR. Yeah. Uh, play this shit, y'all. If you have a VR headset that has Oculus. Super hot. Or PlayStation VR. Super Go hot. fucking get it. Because it's the best VR experience that I've had to date. And Even if you don't have PlayStation VR, get it. Because it's super fun. I mean, it's a cool game. But it is it is a different game in VR. Different For those set of levels, different set of challenges. Who don't know what super hot is. What is super hot? Super hot is uh, it's a higher temperature than hot. Oh. It's when you touch it and then you're like, ah, oh, that was super hot. Interesting. And then VR is when you're like, oh, I couldn't think of a cuss word that starts with a V, sorry. Venereal. There you go. Super hot. Ah, oh, venereal rabbits. Yep. Okay. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, no, the gameplay is, it's like little short bursts of scenarios. Like you're on an airplane and there's terrorists. You got to take mm-hmm. it over. And you just go through little quick vignettes that are 10 seconds-ish long each. And you have to kill these guys that are just red polygonal guys, and you have to kill them. But the the shtick is time only moves when you're moving. So if I stand completely still, then everything is frozen, and I can kind of survey the area with my eyes and be like, all right, what am I going to do? All right, I'll punch that guy. I'll throw a knife at this guy, or mm-hmm. I'll shoot him in the head. And then as I start to slowly move, whether it's turning my head to view someone else, they start to slowly come towards me or slowly lift their gun. Mm-hmm. Um. And it makes you feel like such a fucking badass. If anything oh, makes yeah. you feel like you are Neo in the Matrix, it's when somebody shoots a shotgun and you stop and you can see the trails of the bullets and you're like, all right, how am I going to contort my body? Because you're moving in real space. Yep. I got so fucking sweaty playing this game. It was <laughs> disgusting. I was crouching on the ground. I was ramming my hand into the ground trying to pick up shit. And, uh, it's... it's- it's so cool well, being able to dodge all that in real time. It's kind of like that, like a like a generic scene in a movie where the hero is like surrounded by enemies, and it kind of goes in that like slow motion from his perspective as he's like figuring out the situation around him and yeah. how he kind of quickly responds. But he's so fast, it feels like it's slow to him, kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it kind of felt like when I was playing it non VR at least, because like you'd be like, okay, like there's that guy next to me, he has a shotgun, I'm close enough to him, I'm gonna knock the shotgun out of his hand, then shoot him there's this guy to the left he's about to shoot his gun but another guy across the bar is going to shoot me first so i need to get him down like you kind of just assess that area like super quickly and it just makes you feel like you're an action hero in that one pivotal moment yeah nothing makes you feel fucking cooler though than when you see a guy in front of you you shoot him Mm -hmm. and then his gun flies towards you and you like dodge to the side and you grab his hand you grab his gun as it's in the air. Yeah. And then you lower it down to shoot somebody else in the head. Yep. Like when you're doing that in real life, it's the fucking coolest thing in the world. There and two things. One is I don't think we've talked about the art style, which is basically that you're in these white rooms. Yeah. Everything is white. So like in the air, you're talking about you're on a plane, right? Yep. 
all the seats are white, the the aisles are white, white, everything's just like white and gray, yeah. But the characters are orange, so they kind of stand out. They were bright red in this one. They're bright red. Okay, maybe maybe they were bright red in the console version as well. But um, they they stand out really well, and the bullet trails are blue, if I remember correctly. They were red in the VR game. They're they're red as well. Now that I'm thinking about it more, (laughs) (laughs) so. It's just it has this really unique visual style, but one of the big differences between the VR and the console version, or the two D version, I guess you, you could say, which are separate purchases, correct? Yeah, they are separate purchases, different trophy lists. It sounds like the VR version is more about how you kind of move your body around in, right. in a stationary position, whereas the traditional two D game, you are moving around these environments. So one of them was like, I was going down a straight, narrow hallway and it just filled with guys all shooting at me. So I had to kind of find out like the corner to tuck around in that moment and then turn quickly to shoot like a guy and then get behind the corner again. Like it's kind of about how you move around your space. Yeah. So it actually sounds like they offer different things. Yeah. The VR one was very much about staying in one spot, but maybe like ducking down behind cover or leaning to the side to dodge a bullet, mm-hmm. or <laughs> taking a knife and cutting a bullet out of the air with the knife in slow motion. There is one in a bar where you're in a you're in the bar. There are guys who can kind of duck behind the bar, and there are these columns. And like for me, I found that I could kind of walk around some of the columns to use that to block bullets that were coming at me. And then I would make my way to the bar, shoot the guy who was behind the bar, and then kind of use the bar for cover the entire time. Yeah. Like, I liked that using that space, but you don't, like, and what I think the VR version is going to benefit for me is that I you don't have that kind of full body control, it sounds like you're going to get in the VR. Right. Does it track? Is it using the motion as well? Yeah. Like the move controllers and all that? Yes. So yeah, it's one-to-one with your hands a lot, too? Right. Ooh, that's appealing. And the thing that... I eventually got a little bit better at it. The thing that I... Throwing, like you're holding a trigger and then you let go of it as you throw a, a knife yeah. or a throwing star or something like that mm-hmm. or a bottle or an ashtray. Um, that's something that I never... Never got really, really good at. Yeah. I could never, like 100% of the time, I'm going to throw this knife and it's going to hit that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of one-to-one matching, uh, this also is the first VR game that I feel like has a lot of combat in it. Like, the first thing people mm-hmm. ask me when I say, hey, you want to play Batman? They're like, ooh, do I get to punch guys and kick them and stuff like that? I was like, no, you get to look no. around and crime yeah, scene. you get to do some detective work <laughs> and stuff like that. But this is, like, you grab two knives in front of you, and you're stabbing a guy to your side, and then stabbing a guy in front of you in the head, and you're cutting stuff up, and you're throwing an axe at somebody, and you're doing all this in real life, and it's so freaking cool. I can't describe it enough. You guys just have to go play it. It's just like VR itself. You can't describe it in a way that makes sense until you put on that headset. It's super, super fun. It's super hot. Super hot. It is super hot. They say it very in a very deep voice. So like I played that. that. Played Final Fantasy twelve some more. Um, really enjoying that one. Have you? Are you aware of the Gambit system in Final Fantasy twelve? No. This is. It's a big part of the battle system in this, and I didn't quite get it at first. I was like, I'm turning gambits on, and it it doesn't really do anything. But then they, like, give you the little tutorial, and I'm finally getting into it, and it's it's coding. You are writing code for your characters with a bunch of conditional statements where, like, you can basically automate battles almost. You can say, all right, if there's an ally whose health is less than 70%, use a potion on him. Oh, I like that. And then you have a... So you don't have to worry about those things. Right, you have a a hierarchy 
and you have maybe that's at top, and then the next one is if there's a foe nearby, you yeah. attack. Mm-hmm. If there's a foe targeting me, use fire. But you you start with only two gambits, so you can have like a heal and an attack and things like that. And you have one for each character, so you can you can spend a lot of time. You unlock different types of gambits. So if you if you wanted one, it's like if I'm fighting a character with a weakness, attack that weakness or things like that. Yeah. But you have to buy those from merchants, mm-hmm. and you have to unlock more through your skill tree. But it's it's a really cool concept for a game that I haven't seen where you do most of the work and thinking coding before the battle begins yeah and then you go in and you're just kind of like all right hope this plays out okay and of course at any time you could hit the x button and force somebody to do something else mm-hmm. but thinking about the order of those and how you want this to play out and all right if i have that guy who's going to heal people do i want another one doing duplicate healing that's mm-hmm. going to go through my stock of potions but i have this person over here who could cure it's it's a really really cool system and i'm digging it a lot yeah i've i've wanted to go back and play final fantasy before because i've uh, Final Fantasy Twelve specifically, because it's the real time combat that appeals to me. Yeah, I it's guess, not I, quite I guess, real time. Like it, you do have a mm-hmm. an ATB like like the active time battle in in um, Chrono Trigger. Yeah, you you have a time bar that you have to wait to fill up before you can use your. But you can move you around again. the scene. Yeah, you're definitely. not like standing in place, just kind of bobbing back and forth until you're told what to do. Right, or told you can do something. You could say attack this guy, but then you are just kind of moving around until your time meter fills up, and then you'll attack him. Yeah, that appeals to me more than just the stationary like Final Fantasy VII or anything before that style. I guess actually Final Fantasy turn-based. Ten. You just yeah. only turn based. Yeah, only turn based. Is my well, that's not exactly true. That's exactly what you just said. I mean, you like, I still like Pokemon. Until it's your time to do something. I know, but, like, it's it's specifically... Because that's not fair to say, because I liked I Am Setsuna. And technically speaking, that is turn-based, but you're still kind of thinking about how you're moving around the space. It's specifically the, I am stationary, I am just going to get hit if that guy hits me. That's a turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. You don't like turn-based RPGs. You like strategy games. I like strategy, strategy games, RPGs, yeah. yeah. But I feel like I can make a decision that prevent me from getting hurt in those, where I feel like I can't do that in a Final Fantasy-style game. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. So what I, I'm getting the impression this actually isn't the case, but in Final Fantasy XII, I couldn't say dodge a move. Right. Okay. Because There's like in, no dodge command. In Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, you could do that. Right. And I liked that a lot. That's why I love Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. It was a good PSP game. It was. Yeah. PSP has a lot of good shit. Yeah. Hey, did you play anything else at all? Nope, I had nothing else to add. Let's talk about some news. That's... Because Pokemon Go and Illness got to us, we've got a lot of news. We do. Most of my stuff is actually still from the prior week, honestly. Yeah? Yeah, because we're doing another episode Sunday still, so I figured I'd just save a lot of this week's news for that. But if you already okay. have stuff, okay. 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 we can do that too. Okay. okay. I want to start with the biggest news, I think. Tell me your biggest news. RuneScape. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is uh, coming to mobile and tablet I-O-L. devices with crossplay. Uh, I don't actually like personally care about RuneScape. I was just more surprised that it's still around. <laughs> I didn't know it was still a thing. I remember playing that back in high school, which was a long time ago now. Not super long, but yeah, I just didn't remember that being a huge thing even then. I never played RuneScape. Neither I don't even know I. what it looks like, what the gameplay looks like, but I know there were a lot of people that played it when it was R- RuneScape. I mean, it's it's a very rudimentary 3d world where it's like one of those things where you walk up to a guy and you say attack and then his arm just kind of like moves the sword back and forth gotcha doing an attack move rock'em sock'em robot style exactly like it's not very like we'll say high 
like high production value we'll say well i guess it is like what 30 years old now almost um it's over a decade let's find out together let's find out while you're looking that up um this is interesting Mm -hmm. doom update 6.66 yeah (laughs) do you get it because it's about hell i do get it and the devil um, Holy crap! Initial release June fourth, two thousand one for RuneScape. Two thousand one, really? I yeah. thought it was a nineties game. No, it wasn't a nineties game. Okay, well, definitely not. Sixteen years. It will, okay, well, no, because like EverQuest and like those were like kind of the EverQuest uh, oh, yeah, was one EverQuest. of the that, that was like the big um, like MMORPG of the nineties, wasn't it? And then this was like the free online like browser game Frontline. that you could play. Yeah. It was kind of like, if you don't want to pay for EverQuest, you can play free RuneScape, basically. RuneScape, yeah. RuneScape. RuneScape. So, Doom Update 6.66. They are getting rid of the Season Pass and making all their DLC free. This is, ha ha, what, if you bought the like Season Pass. 14 months later? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ha-ha if you bought the Season Pass. I mean, you paid for all of that content a year and two months early. So I think you Suckers. Got your time out of it. But yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's a game, and most of it's multiplayer content anyway. So it's a game, as your servers are starting to get a little bit more dry and people aren't playing it as much, it's a great way to entice new players. Give those who did pay for it, who are still active community members, gives them people to play against. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good move. It is. Uh, and I actually, I kind of wish more people would do that. Like, as you go through life with your game, what am I trying to say? As your game gets older, like, ditching or at least significantly reducing the price mm-hmm. of the DLC to kind of get more people in. Well, it's similar to what uh, what DICE is doing with Battlefront 2, where all the new maps are coming out are free because we just want people to have access to that content so right. they all have the, kind of that same gaming experience. You can pay for extra, like, skins right. and, like, you know... Yeah, and it doesn't fragment your multiplayer community. Which like, is super important. I have this map, but you don't, and I have this map pack, but you don't, and then none mm-hmm. of us can play together. Like, Yeah. Good move. Good that was move. a good move. So here's a story from this week, plus a story from last week that I think are related and important. Are they Pokemon Go related? They're not Pokemon Go related. Why are you talking about it then? Because all uh, that matters is Pokemon Go. Because you talk about Pokemon Go and I make fun of you for it. Okay. But we don't fight in this podcast. Okay, Mr. Boost 2. <laughs> Boost 2 is a great game. <laughs> you make fun of me for playing threes too much. And That's what the, I play too much. And then is a circle, and then the circle kind of unfolds and you're on top of the two. It yeah. is so cool. No, I get it. I get it. Talk about your new story. It's more, seriously, one of my favorite things... <laughs> to do ever is to listen to house music and play boost it just works so well it's really good when anyway. you're tripping on lsd too <laughs> tell me about your news so uh first the first part of this is that the playstation 4 was the number one selling console in june yeah surprise not i i have to wonder is it because people didn't switch sold out was it just because they yeah, couldn't make no, enough it's of just them? they can't sell enough switches and they have a lot of ps4s to sell so the other side of that is that Switch has sold, uh, Nintendo announced this, Switch has sold 4.75 million units since it's come out, up from March 3rd to the end of June. Yeah. So, like, about a four-month window there, which is a really solid pace. It is not PS4 pace, but it is outpacing the Xbox One. It is literally as fast as they can make them, though. Yeah. So, that's the thing, is that they probably could be selling more of these. Nintendo seems to think that they're only going to sell another 10 or a total of 10 million within the year. So like meaning you're being March 3rd to March 3rd. Yeah. I think that's going to be higher. Like it should be higher than that unless they're anticipating they can't get the supplies to keep I making think that's, these things. I think that's it. They're just like, well, this is probably all we can get our hands on. Yeah. So that's all we're going to be able to manufacture and that's all we're going to be able to sell. Mm-hmm. And I but, think that's like that, that story should have just said instead of, 
hey, Switch sells four point something. I was like, hey, yep, we're literally selling every copy that we make. So yep. But on top of that, the attach rate for their their games is super good. Yeah. I think eighty five percent of players bought Zelda. Which is down from 104% or 110 or something like that. Back <laughs> yeah, in it was March. like 104%, which is absurd. I was always going to go down. Yep. And then Mario Kart sold like 3.8 million out of the 4.7 million, which is also an incredible attach rate. Yep. And then ARMS in its first two weeks sold over a million copies globally. Who would have thought a I, new awesome system with nothing to play on it and people are going to buy a Nintendo game on it? That's crazy. <laughs> Even if I it's mean, that's shitty. what you buy the system for. We'll talk more about that in our future segment, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think it's just good for ARMS because I think ARMS actually did better than Splatoon did when it came out. Not sure. Splatoon 2. Because people like Switch and nobody likes Wii U. Well, no, but look at the attach rate for the Wii U. There are people who are still like... I mean, when Mario Kart came out, that still sold super, super well. Yeah. It was never going to sell that well. But like, there was a, a base there of people who still really were interested in buying games... So Splatoon comes out, the next kind of big thing from Nintendo, they didn't really jump on that as much as they jumped on ARMS. So it does show that ARMS has could actually be a franchise that has some staying power, possibly, yeah. or at least right now has some interest. And I can at least speak that to the quality of the game, if if people were expecting what they got, they're going to like it, yeah. and they're going to keep playing it. I've put 30 or so hours into it already. I think it helps that ARMS was a close to launch, like it was a launch window title. Yeah. Versus Splatoon that it did come out it like a few years later a few years into wii u's life cycle so yeah. right now people are itching for things to play on their switch they're yep. itching for switching they're itching for switching. uh yeah so they're looking actively for like i yeah. have this cool new console i beat zelda yeah what do i do next oh there's arms yeah it might not be good but who uh, yeah. who cares i'll play it anyway mm-hmm. whereas splatoon they're like yeah i already gave up on my wii u bye yeah. The reason I paired those two stories, the Sony PlayStation 4 and the Switch yeah. uh, sales, is that those are probably going to be the dominant consoles, I think, for a little while, which is yeah. good for Nintendo, because it definitely means they're kind of bringing that comeback, yep. but it does mean that it's not hurting the PlayStation 4. Yeah. They this are is now separate. two months in a row that mm-hmm. PlayStation 4 was the best-selling console. Yeah. Which is, I have no problem with that. That's that's great. It means that there's a really healthy industry right now where yeah. there's interesting games that are that are, you experience them in different ways, but they're not impacting each other. Yep, is what it seems like right now. That's awesome. That's rising super great. tide floats your boats. That's the <laughs> saying, right? Whatever floats your rising boats is the tides. Whatever floats you dig your boat. I think just whatever floats your boat. Nope, it's rising tide sinks all ships. I don't know. No, I'm I kidding. No, no so, like, I don't know. Water. Water, right, Crazy. absolutely, yeah. So that those are two important stories. What else yeah, you got yeah, for me, yeah, Jay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's something that I find really concerning. Um, Destiny and Halo writer joins Crackdown Three. Yes, I have that too. Days ago. Yeah. Now, the Destiny. First of all, okay. Destiny writer, Halo writer, great. They're they're fine sci-fi stories. Apparently, there's enough of a story in the grimoire cards of Destiny. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned that the person who's joining Crackdown 3 is the issue. I'm concerned that the game comes out in three-ish months. And they have a writer for and it. And they just now brought on a writer for yeah. it. That's what concerns the hell out of me. Absolutely. So, Unless maybe they're bringing it on because they want to have story-based DLC content. Maybe. That's possible. That, I think, is the best-case scenario. Yeah, that's that's best-case scenario. It's like, hey, we finished a game and it has a really great story to it already, but you know what? Tell us about Terry Crews. Actually, it's a good point because if it has a great story already, they already have writers who made a great story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so why is John Goff, who is the former Destiny and Halo writer, coming on with just a few months to go? Also, too, do you want to bring on 
the Destiny writer? <laughs> I mean, the lore wasn't even in the game. Is Crackdown no, going to be yeah. like, you found this little puzzle thing. Now go to this website and find more out about the story. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm, not the writer's fault. But the, the, Exactly. It's not the writer's fault. That, that oh, stuff was there. It was just in a oh, stupid just, location. Oh, I'm just making a dumb joke. Yeah. I don't actually mean that. Uh, um, but speaking of Terry Crews, apparently he is a playable character. Oh, interesting. I thought he was no playable character. I thought yeah, he came out and that said that. was all ambiguous in, at E3, and now it has been confirmed, yes, there's, Terry Crews is a playable character. There's just so much shit around Crackdown this 3. This game's gonna bomb. I really think it's so. It's gonna bomba. La bomba. It's the, a shame, the, the because Xbox needs that game to do well. Yep. So, anyway. Um, I have a story here, which is that, to me, this is a gigantic, well, duh, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 director is not consider- considering a Switch version until after uh, the PS4 and Xbox yeah. One versions uh, are <laughs> released. AKA, I'm not making a Switch version of this game. Yep. I'll tell you this now and hope you never bring it up again later on. Yep. Um, no shit there's not going to be a Switch version of this game at launch for starters. There's never going to be a Switch version of Kingdom Hearts 3. It is just too damn good looking of a game to be on the Switch. End of story. Yeah, also... <sighs> You, they're spending a thousand years making a PS4 and 360 or Xbox One version. Yeah, they're not gonna devote 500 more years to making. And it also a sounds Switch like version. this game's kind of a development hell anyway, and it's getting released next year, regardless of how yeah. finished it is. Can't no, wait it'll for be that delayed. One. It's Square Enix. It'll be delayed. Oh no, there, there was I can't remember where I was reading this, but there was some sort of like rumor that their plan is it's getting released in 2018 and i have if they have to like release content afterwards so be it they're releasing something kingdom with the kingdom hearts 3 label in 2018 but they also did an event to announce a final fantasy 15 release date and then didn't hit that release date so like they're big on like we're gonna hit this date we promise you but no they're not but they've never said we're gonna release final fantasy 15 regardless of if it's finished or not you're right and they've also never said that they haven't said that, but there's rumors of that, and the rumors came from, yeah. at the time, I remember being good sources, so. Well, at the time, I remember, my name's Holden DePardo, look at me, sucking up that cheesesteak. I don't That's know what exactly that sorry, what I said. Xbox One pre-orders will open soon. Yeah. And by that, I mean One X. One X, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can thing. pre-order an Xbox One S right now if you wanted to. One more thing, okay. This is my last news story before we get to the one that kind of leads to our topic of yeah. the show. Um. Can I introduce it? Can I introduce the, the next story after the one you're about to talk about? Yes, absolutely. Yay. God damn it. We don't fight on this we don't podcast. We fight yet. on split-screen gaming podcasts. <laughs> I didn't realize how big of a thing this was going to be. Have, did you read the article about the Overwatch League players and like their compensation and things like that? Oh, I, I read about this today, but I didn't actually like read into it too much. I just saw, I didn't saw the headline. Really, so Overwatch League... Is Blizzard's new thing that they, they get like, like housing oh, and sports. healthcare and, I, and all sorts yeah, of shit. Yeah, I just like oh, brush it off like everything's like oh yeah, it's gonna be an esport now. Like that's mm-hmm. the cool new thing for people to do is make their game into an esport. Yeah, but this is like they're trying to make it similar, like on the level of like the NBA or MLG. I think or it should Overwatch be there. League. And yeah, I think that's really cool. But they're actually taking steps to make that happen. Like they have team owners in different cities mm-hmm. people with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money mm-hmm. um like uh new england patriots owner robert Kraft and new york mets coo jeff wilpin they have they have teams overwatch teams but these characters these not characters they're people the real life people that are playing these <laughs> games <laughs> these players uh the league mandates that they have to get at least fifty thousand a year which for playing a video game, that's pretty 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty. Fifty thousand a year. They get health insurance. They get housing during the season, whatever wow. that season is. Um, they are allowed to bring people just because maybe your city's in Boston and that's where your team's located. Mm-hmm. You're still allowed to recruit people from other countries as long as you can meet all of these demands. So as long as like you can bring someone in from Korea, as long as you can make sure they have health insurance and get fifty thousand dollars a year and have that's housing. Insanely awesome. Yeah, that totally took that to another level in my head. Like I respect the hell out of that. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't quite mm-hmm. grasp that that's the scale they were going well, for with this esports. I think it's kind of the start of you getting to the point where it's like, oh my god, they just signed this guy out of the team for a ten million dollar contract across ten years or something right? like that. Like right. If they're doing this, this is something that like over like, Blizzard sees money in. Yeah, they can kind of if they're going to put that much money down on it. I'm surprised. I didn't why I didn't think they'd have to pay these guys at all, honestly. Right, and just, I guess like, if you like, win, you get the cash prize. Or exactly, whatever. that's like, kind of how I thought it worked. That was always my idea of esports in general. I have I have very little knowledge on esports. So. Yeah, me too. But I think this is different because these are this league actually has like teams and franchise owners, whereas yeah. the other one is just like, hey, we're a group of friends that we play a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. We'll have to we'll have to find out from Jeff Bear. We'll talk to him. Yeah, and see what he we actually we do know a professional gamer. That's right. Yeah, he used yeah. to play Halo in mm-hmm. college professionally. Isn't that super weird cool. to say? I played Halo. Like, I can't imagine being like I play Zelda professionally. I know, right? Like I respect yeah. the hell out of this medium, and it's really really cool, and I love yeah. everything that it does. But even in my own head, mm-hmm. it's I not guess, on that level. Well, I guess there are different types of esports for my knowledge is that there are like competitive esports where it's like i'm playing starcraft against you because i'm better at it than you are right. i'm proven better at it than you are there's like the halo versions there's like you know call of duty is call of duty is there esports for sure call of duty there is everything I have no idea. fucking has an esport now. but like a game like mario or zelda can never be an esport there are speed know. runs you could do like that's kind of an esport in a way but i don't feel like that would catch on the same way that overwatch yeah. as an esport like no one's gonna gather around in a stadium to watch a guy play Zelda in 50 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really fascinating. $50,000 a year. Yeah. Healthcare, housing. At, that's at huge. At least 50000 Like, that's minimum. They that's have to pay $50, still $50,000 a year. Good. Yeah, I mean, if they're like, hey, I want to recruit this guy from Korea, I'm going to incentivize him maybe a pay That's a livable wage. A you could live off of being a professional Overwatch player. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy. huge step. That's super cool. I'm on board with that. That's awesome. I might yep. try to get good at Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> you have to buy it first. And for the record, oh. for the record, a long ass time ago, when uh, we played Overwatch for the first time because it was free that weekend or something like that, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I bought it. I had a really great fun time, and maybe I'll put like 30 minutes into it a week or something like that. And Holden's like, you're never gonna play that game again. I have not touched it since I bought it. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been months. Have not played it again. But Doomfist came out today who's the new playable character so Ooh. maybe i'll pick it up again for 10 minutes for i mean i did i had a lot of fun but i just i don't know it i have so much time to devote to other things instead yeah it is fun it's just not a game that i see myself as like my main go-to game yeah it, and it's one of those games that you just that's your game to play mm-hmm. oh i have time to game cool i'll play overwatch i don't mm-hmm. know how does josh osborne do it i don't he know plays he's fucking everything and he sees fucking everything and he works a full-time job who mm-hmm. is he i don't know I bet he's a time turner. Fucking Hermione Granger. <laughs> so, you ready for our feature? Yeah, go for it. So, Atari has announced the Atari Box console. What a stupid thing. It is a dumb name. 
it's hard to say it's stupid because we don't really know what it is. That's why it's stupid. We here's what we know about it. The design I think is very cool for starters. It is a either red and black or like wood paneling in in black, which the wood paneling is black. It's not that we're uncertain what color it is. You get a choice of the two. Yeah, yeah, that's we are very certain about those two choices and yes. colors. But the wood panel in black sounds like it'd be ugly. I think it looks kind of nice. So it has a cool design to it, but it we know it's going to have like built-in old Atari classics on there. Do we know that? Yes, they have said that. Um, and that way, because that's where kind of the NES classic comparisons are coming from. Right. But then they're also saying it can, it can play, quote unquote, current games, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, that's like where it gets uncertain. Modern console specs. Do they say modern console specs? I feel like that phrase popped up. Okay. I, I can see them having a console that is as powerful as a PS4, not a PS4 Pro, but a PS4 or an Xbox One. I can see that. I don't think this is going to be as powerful as a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X or anything like that. But the way they're talking about it, saying that they play... Oh, here it is. Atari plans to deliver classic games in the Atari box alongside current content. And that's in quotations. So current content. That could mean Assassin's Creed Origins is, is coming out. And like Wolfenstein is going to come out for this thing. I think it means more that we're going to see like games, small games like Overwatch or Tacoma or games of that nature like these kind of small indie experiences that are current i can see that happening sure for the record it also says quote-unquote modern internal specs which is even more ambiguous that is super not compared to consoles but modern internal specs for atari it's much more modern than the atari 2600 (laughs) you're right (laughs) they can play pong with three players And much more high resolution on the white block moving across the screen. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's interesting because we're going to kind of play a hypothetical here. Let's say that this is as powerful as a PS4 or an Xbox One, and it is trying to compete directly with those systems. Yeah. Is there a place for it? Is there a place for a third tier? And to explain this more specifically, kind of going back to the point on, like, Nintendo Switch is not really taking away from the PS4 um, but it is kind of holding its own very strongly. Right. I view, even though I'm a big Nintendo fan, it is not competing with Xbox it's a, or yeah, PS4. It's on a market on its own, which is great for Nintendo. They have a little niche that works well for them. But in the space of Xbox versus PlayStation, is there a third one there? Is there space for one? Yeah. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, there's like price-wise competitiveness. They've There's a cheap enough console for you to buy between those two, whether it's the which is popping up more and more now, the 199 Xbox One S. Yeah. Or the 249, occasionally you'll find PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing, and they have an established, they're both established hardware makers. They both have an online community. They have an online infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Is there really space for that? I don't think so right now. What is Atari trying to break in and fill? I think they're trying to do something very similar to the Steam box, okay. where... It's uh, they're trying to entice. Basically, the reason I think this is because they've confirmed they have four USB ports, yeah, and an SD card slot on this thing. So they want to expand it so you can download more games to it going yeah. forward. So it's an SD card slot, four USBs. I think I think what they're trying to do is say, hey, here are things you might find in Steam or downloadable titles mm-hmm. that you can now play in your living room. 
but so nobody be, really wants that because those are already coming now. All the battlegrounds, un, player unknown, whatever the fuck that is yeah. called, is coming to Xbox and all. Like I'm glad you're going that direction. Their way to console, we don't yeah. need a PC version of those things in the in the living room. I'm glad you're going that direction because I kind of feel the same way. Whereas, like, if this were 2005, 2006, when Xbox 360 and PS3 were coming out, I think it'd be a much different story. Right. We're at this point now where consoles and PCs are converging in a way where consoles are kind of more of just like a tailored PC with a brand right and that's where it gets trickier because that third tier technically now is the pc like you can get a ps4 you can get an xbox one they have their exclusive games for it but if you want more power or you can kind of have a similar gaming experience where the graphics are high quality and all that you get a pc right so yeah it'd be kind of a tough niche to to handle but that's where i think that they might be able to do something unique where if this is as powerful as a ps4 or xbox one what if it costs two hundred dollars and you're able to play the new Assassin's Creed coming out on a system that is far cheaper. Uh, far cheaper, I think, is wrong. By the time this comes yeah. out, mm-hmm. you're, you're already seeing Xbox One S for $199. i have seen it now twice since E3. But is that a sale or is that a permanent price? That was price a sale. Bit? I mean, it's 249 full price, so 50 yeah. extra bucks. Yeah. But for an, a system that has not only Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know why we're using that as the benchmark game, but not only has Assassin's Creed and all these third-party things, but it also has a strong lineup of first-party game. Well, strong mm-hmm. in quotes. We'll change to a much more out, better game, actually. Not Assassin's Creed. We'll do Nino Kuni. That's an exclusive to PlayStation. It doesn't matter. Nino Kuni. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but it has that and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. It has Xbox Live. It has uh, first-party games. It has a community of friends that are already playing that with you of millions yeah. and millions of people. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I don't think that $200 price point would entice anyone. It's still 50 bucks cheaper, which is the cost of a game. Like, that kind of pricing structure has worked Yeah, in the but past. when do you see this thing coming out? I'm, I'm thinking probably holiday. The fact that we know yeah. nothing about it, probably holiday. Mm-hmm. And you're already going to see bundles with, like, buy an Xbox One S and get three free games or get yeah. Halo and all of this. For, like, oh, yeah, this is why I think I'm yeah. bringing up the question of, like, is this like viable no. i really think that atari thinks they could fit in that way because if you they're subtly placing themselves in the zeitgeist a little bit more that makes me feel like this is more than just like a razor shield or something like that yeah. like the shield tv because in the blade runner trailer there is a gigantic atari sign in there what purpose is that there for if they want to in sell- the first one wasn't it it was in the first one i think it's in the second one too but no I, well yeah the reason that's in there i think is because it's a callback to the original they didn't have to do that. Like Atari definitely put some money down to make sure they were in the oh, fucking I'm, I'm sure, trailer yeah. of of Blade Runner. Like I don't know, but you have, I, that's a fair point. I I will concede to that. But I do think that they want themselves to be known a little bit more. Yeah, they're teasing this. They're making it mysterious. I don't think they would do that to say, and it only plays Atari games and like small indie titles. So like, here's I, the question: What does it take? What do they have to do in order to cement themselves as a third pillar? They have to compete on every way that, in the major ways, they have to have a good online infrastructure, which I actually don't think is impossible. No, um, but the chances of it, I think, are kind of slim. Uh, they have to have really good infrastructure. They have to have a great controller. The box has to be... Controller's important, yeah. yeah, They have to have a... And I mean a great controller. I mean like, ooh, that looks like a controller I want to put my hands on. Like you have to look at it and be like, that looks sick. Because the console already kind of has a really kind of like, ooh, that does look kind of sick. Like I would want that under my TV. Yeah. Depending on like... If it it was only the design that mattered, I do think the Atari actually does look better than like a PS4. Especially the PS4 Pro with its like Big Mac design. Hamburger. Yeah. It's like Big (laughs) Mac with three layers. Um, So there's that, but it also has to have... 
unique games. If it has unique games, I fully believe that any console can do very well. Yeah. And I think that's the key. It has to be cheaper. It has to have a better controller. It has to have cheap games. And I think the interface also has to be pretty sleek as well. I think the interface is important, definitely. Infrastructure is important. I think the biggest thing is it has to have all of these third-party relationships. Yes. So it has to build these relationships with Ubisoft and EA mm-hmm. and Bethesda, all of these things. But it also it needs a stellar line of exclusives. And... Atari. Do they even own is, a lot of their own old brands still? I don't know. I, I I think it's like fragmented. Like the games themselves are owned by somebody. The name is owned by somebody else. The hardware is owned by somebody else. I'm not sure. But they are nowhere near. First of all, they don't have the experience. The last when's the last time you saw an Atari game released or a game developed by an Atari developer? E.T. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so you would need. They they technically I guess like through the late two thousand like the aughts, they were publishing some games yeah before they went under but you would need a a selection of really strong first party games as a mm-hmm. lineup and they have nothing they have no first party studios and I think this is so important because that we know what we of. talk about that we know of well, well no I mean, it'd be it'd be hard pressed to keep that a secret but exactly ga- I will I will whole game to, studios that you don't know are actually secretly working for Atari to be fair. If you think about how, like, technology stuff, like smartphones, that kind of stuff, leaks very early. Yeah. Games don't generally leak that early. Like, unless you might it's a hear, game. Yeah, unless it's Ubisoft. <laughs> you might hear, like, this kind of game is coming out, yeah. but you'll never see, like, screenshots or, like, gameplay video. There are rare exceptions. Yeah. But those exceptions to be kind of prove the rule that you generally... Game companies are pretty good about keeping their stuff secretive, I would say. Yeah. I think, though, that we see... That that first party lineup problem we we're already seeing with Microsoft and yeah. you're in your head you're like it's spell dooms for Microsoft and absolutely it was spell doom for Atari unless again unless they can be that much cheaper like two hundred one fifty if they can mm. do one fifty which would be a long shot I would absolutely buy an Atari over an Xbox One if I were a consumer who didn't have any of the major consoles yet and it played the same games because I'm if I'm waiting this long yeah I have not already bought an Xbox one a ps4 or an Atari at this point right and they're all competing against each other I haven't been swayed by PlayStation's brand yet I haven't been swayed by Microsoft's brand yet I'm not going into it for brand or the exclusives then why the fuck are you buying a game console because people buy game consoles late into the cycles all the time that's how they maintain their yeah, but they dominance. don't buy them just for Assassin's Creed. They buy them. I mean, they still have a loyalty to one brand, whether it's buying it super late in the life cycle. Maybe they they just bought a 360 last year or something like that or something. Like, but they still have a reason that they're going one way or another, whether it is mm-hmm. the exclusive games or the brand loyalty. Yeah, or, but it's not the same thing as like when PS5 comes out, Chad. You're just gonna buy one. That's not necessarily true. What would what would play? Because you've you had a PlayStation 3, you had a PlayStation 2, you had a PlayStation growing up as well. I didn't have well. a PlayStation 2. So PlayStation 3 no. was your first one. But yeah, you were definitely, I would consider one. you a fa- PlayStation fanboy in the same way that I'm a Nintendo fanboy. Right now, yeah, I'm all over PlayStation's ass. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, if Nintendo came out with a new console, I'm just going to buy that console because I want to play the new Nintendo games that are on it. Like, we are in a different realm of yeah. gamer in the sense that if the brand that I like is releasing something new, I have confidence that it will be good. If a PlayStation 5 comes out, even though there aren't a lot of games that launch... I'm going to buy that because I know there's going to be good games because I know that the the support that it's going to have. I like that brand. I'm going to stick with that brand. But if you've already waited four years to get into this current console cycle, 
you don't have that same affiliation to a brand that we would have. And you're so going to save think, 50 bucks when you could just spend 50 bucks more and get access to a whole lot better but shit. W- but we don't know what kind of games this is going to have. The kind of game you that you want. You know it's not going to be. You know oh, it's going to be trash. Oh, I know. It's, oh, you know, I absolutely right. I know it's going to be trash. I don't yeah. have a lot of confidence in it. But is there, going back to the whole question, if there's a place for a third party yeah. in here, a third, uh, like a third uh, a competitor, they could release this late. In this case, that case happens to be atari and i think they could as long as they are cheaper have a good controller and have really good games so why didn't ouya succeed because it didn't have good games and a shitty controller <laughs> <laughs> and it was very very cheap was but that cheap. was the only thing it had going for it yeah if this atari box plays android games it's done it's yeah. over there's no way i think the whole android console and you never modern in certain specs that could just mean a smartphone oh, yeah it could be a smartphone on the yeah. inside which yeah. that's the well, to be fair though the switch is a smartphone on the inside oh yeah and that's doing very well but again it's because the exclusive content and the price right. is pretty good so and a great controller and a great controller i mean well, it feels well, like shit to hold a joy con in your hand one hand with just one joy con but together they're good but really the pro controllers is the killer one there that hd rumble though oh, so i love the hd rumble and mario kart specifically it's so good hd rumble yes yeah, so i don't i don't have hope for for this thing in general though do you think so you're saying there's no chance of having a third-party console it would have to come from a company that already has like valve uh, yeah if valve gets into it but it would if have valve to come makes from a, games a company anymore. that they say they are but that we'll has strong hardware ties like the reason why sony's consoles are able to be like when they first came out it was a lot smaller than the xbox one is because they have decades and decades and decades of hardware experience but also like going into the release of the playstation one that was successful because the sony brand already meant walkman which was exactly which was huge the de facto music player yeah um yeah so it would have to come from a company that not only has established itself as a hardware maker which i guess atari kind of already has done Mm -hmm. But then it has to have, um, it has to have the games behind it. It has to have IP and properties that people care about. I want to follow both those points there because it doesn't have to be a hardware company necessarily. I want to go to that, and I also want to go to um, the relationship side and actually how that could be a benefit for Atari. Um, software comp like Microsoft's not a hardware company, but they got into the console market. Right. They're a software company, so I think as, as long as you have some sort of trusted technology brand. Like, if Google were to release a console, there would be some interest in that. If Apple were to release a console, there would be some interest sure. in that. But I'm trying to think what other companies could really fill that niche. Like, could an HTC or an LG or a Samsung? I don't. HTC is making their waves with Vive. That's Oh, I like forgot is, they, they're involved in Vive. The, the superior headset. That's a good point, actually. Um, I forgot they did the Vive completely. Yeah. So yeah, so like those kind of companies might be able to step into to the ring, but I can't think of many others. So I think that's a fair point of it's really going to have to be a big company that can put that much of a financial stake, lose a lot of money, and still continue. Yeah. That's what's going to be harder. But Atari, though, I think does have the benefit of nostalgia is very important, and game developers come from loving games as a kid. So yeah. they might have an affinity towards wanting to work with Atari because, go back to the whole, these are all PCs now, you might not have to do that much to get your game to work on Atari system if it's on the x86 architecture like a PS4 or an Xbox One is. That could be how they get in. Yeah. So they do kind of have that, it's hard to say trusted brand, <laughs> but they have a remembered brand, at least. 
Have you ever played an Atari game? No, I actually have. No, I mean Pitfall. I put Pitfall. Yeah, yeah. They're trash now. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they're not fun. Which is why if they all the classics are like, okay, people will download these and they'll play them for a second and be like, oh yeah, yeah, and I, realize that I jumping like over this. the same little like puddle with a crocodile in it over and over again, <laughs> not appealing. Platformers before Mario. So yeah, third party or a third person in this space. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, but if it does, I think it would take Microsoft or Sony getting out of the or market. We're partnering with a really strong studio. Like if if mm-hmm. a hardware company came to Bethesda and said, "Hey, we want to take all your properties and make them exclusive on our hardware. Here's a lot of money. Make it happen." They're like, "Oh shit!" I don't think they would do that though. No, but that's that's what. It yeah, yeah, no, to, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think they would partner do that, with though. a company like EA was. Uh, I think a couple of years back, EA was thinking about making an EA exclusive console. Really? Yeah, and like this was the only place you could play all those games. I'm glad Their they brands don't have that same pull. I don't think. I mean, it's all the sports. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> I, all right, that's fair. That's all. Can you imagine sports, being like Madden Effect, is no longer Star well, Wars. Yeah. Okay. They could do that. It'd be a dick move, though. Yeah. I think they probably benefit more by... Oh, they absolutely benefit more because that's an install base of 50,000 PS4s, 30,000 Xbox One, or 60,000 PS4s. I don't know. Uh, they have all of these things now. 60,000? 30,000? Sorry, million. Yeah, million. million yeah. Millions and millions. There are just so, yeah, thousands spread across like thousands of PS4s <laughs> out there. Like 100 million, 120 million consoles with all EA, acts, EA stuff versus... Yeah. However many they can manage to sell of not including PCs, bugs. yeah, not including PCs, yeah. which there's like at least ten of those. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're in agreement. I don't think that in the current state of the market, there's a chance of a third party no swooping in unless they have really good relationships with third party developers and can have exclusive content that is to die for. Yeah, I'm talking like Half Life Three levels of like you can only play Half Life Three on this Valve machine, right? have at it and that's the right yeah. that's the reason why people bought the switch at launch no seriously zelda yeah. is what sold zelda. the switch at, la- at launch it is a zelda machine and then yeah. the promise of it's no longer a zelda stuff, machine which they're they're filling in the gaps but yeah i would say it's no longer a zelda machine no you're right it's a zelda and a mario car machine and arms arms is great it's not good <laughs> it is so good you played it for five minutes i why played it for an hour why is it not good it's just not fun you're just right. punching. The controls aren't as precise as I want them to be. I don't play with the motion controls, to be fair. I play... Well, that's the only way I play it. Yeah. So... I like playing it a lot. It's... It's just... Uh, we're not going to do it, because it's no. a whole conversation. But yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Do we have any... Inter- and we don't fight on this podcast. We don't fight in this podcast. We do have an interrogative, right? I, I think, think so. I think you interviewed someone and dropped it in there. Let me see what... The and by interviewed, was... I mean... Hey, y'all. My name's Chad Michaelinis. <laughs> Yeah, it says, what games would you like to have featured on PS Plus? Maybe yep. regardless of platform. What does that mean? I guess maybe regardless of platform being like, it could also be an Xbox Game Pass. So I want my Gears of War judgment on PS Plus? No, no, no. I mean, like, I just use PS Plus as, like, the example. Like, what games do you want on PS Plus? Oh, like, but, like games of gold. and Yeah, exactly. Like, if you wanted an Xbox game featured, or you wanted a Nintendo game featured, like, hey, people probably aren't going to play this game. Um, because it maybe is unique or didn't like it market get marketed yeah. very well, but people need to play it because it's that awesome. I like th- what Microsoft tends to do this a lot more often than PlayStation does, 
But I like it when, hey, we have a new game in this franchise coming out, so let's give you maybe an older one yeah. for free. Mm-hmm. As a chance to, like, if you slept on it or if you wanted to go back and experience mm-hmm. it again, yeah, you can get that for free. Mm-hmm. I like when they do that. I do, too. Yeah. So, do you have any games in mind? Or I have a few off the top of my head right now if you want me to go first. No, go for it. So, I think on that note of, like, franchises that a new one's coming out, let's get the old one in there. Yep. I think Metro would be one that... I think that if people could play that for free and right. just try it out, I really think people will be sold in that universe. I think at this point, because the E3 trailer came out, there are people, a lot of people are already kind of sold on that now. Yep. So maybe selling a lot of copies of that, but that's one thing should be in there. This, that game we just played, Screen Catch. Screen Chat? Screen, screen uh, Cheat. Screen, uh, screen Cheat, yeah. One of those C words. One of those C words. That would be great, I think, for like a PlayStation yeah. Plus. I think getting people to try that out and, and, and play it. And I think in... A f- going with the Nintendo side, I think in a few years, putting arms on there would be a good idea. Are they? They're not doing a giving away games. They're not. Thing, but I'm right? saying, like, it regardless of platform. Like, if Nintendo had that kind of system, gotcha. what should be featured? Arms As, like, would definitely free- be ones like, hey, in a few years, remember this yeah. shitty game? I mean, it had some charm to it. Shitty so. game has some charm to it. It's so good. <laughs> um, you silly son of a bitch. I also think The Witness would be a really good one on there, too, where I feel yeah. like just kind of like it's not something people would necessarily buy because they don't like puzzle games something like that should no man's sky go free Ooh, i think it should go free in general <laughs> i think they should just pull like it from free the store. to play no i don't think it's pull from the store they're getting a lot of free updates in that game actually and for a lot of people that it is making a difference i haven't gone back to play it since i'm gonna wait for a few more updates you're, s- a- you're gonna go back and play i, that I game? really still feel like i might go back and play no man's sky yeah. no you won't i think i will that's gonna be your overwatch my Overwatch? Yep. No, because I actually put a lot of time into it. I no put relatively a lot of time into Overwatch. I put I, a couple of hours into it. I probably put 20 hours. And that's hours. a lot of time in, in Ladybug years. I I put in 20 hours into No Man's Sky, I think. That was about 20 hours in Ladybug years. <laughs> that's right. I'm also counting mine in Ladybug no, years No, yours well. are in what's slower than human years? Sloth years. Sloth years. Yeah. No, sea turtle years. No. They live sloths. for hundreds of years, don't they? No. So time moves slower for them. Crush lived for hundreds of years. You so totally rock, squirt. <laughs> what games would you want featured, Chad? I already said it. Say it again. Did I? I don't know. Because I don't remember. Yeah. I don't think you said it. No Man's Sky should go away. <laughs> <laughs> Not on PS Plus. It should just go away. No, I mean, yeah. What games do I want for free? I want every game for free. But like, it's a game that like you love, and you think that people would love it too, but you don't think they're going to give it a chance. But if it was free, they might give it the chance. So what What would you put on I there? I feel like a lot of mine have already been there. Whether it's right. everybody's, gone well, the ra- everybody's gone to the rapture, okay. or gone home, yeah, or um, Drawn to Death. I never played it. Drawn to Death. I downloaded it. Drawn to it, Death. I don't want super hot. I want people to pay for super hot because that was an awesome game, and I want everyone to super hot. Developer. It's super fun. Um, super hot. Yeah. Cool. No, I, think I mean, Hitman. I mean, maybe if they did like one of the un- like Uncharted games on mm-hmm. PS3 or something like that. Yeah. I would love. Here we go. I would love free PSVR games. I would love for those to be added to PS Plus. Oh, that's a good. I maybe like that. ditch yeah. the Vita. And start giving away free PSVR games because that is a console. Oh, I that bet that's coming. Now you're saying it, it's like, oh, that makes too much yeah, sense. Yeah, I, because it's or they're it's expensive. Three as well. They're expensive compared to like the amount of time you get out of them. Which I'm not saying that the longer the Putting game, the game, more it's worth. Like, but 
I would love these are they're all such small experiences that I would love to be able to reach out and it's it's such a risk on a PSVR yeah. game you're like well, that could be trash or it could be really cool a game like game. Eagle Flight you look at that and you're like that could make me super nauseous because I'm flying as a bird around sure, like, yeah. a city landscape let me just try it out see if it makes me nauseous or not so there are so many things out there that I would That's love a good to one. try Oops. Uh, with my PSVR that That's I'm just a- like mm, I don't know if I could mm-hmm. justify spending 20 bucks on that in such an unknown quantity like yeah I like that answer. That's a good answer. Thanks. I made no it problem. up myself. Oh, did you? I did. Ooh. Right now. They need to get rid of PS3 as well. Get rid of PS3 before they so. get rid of PS Vita. I don't think so. I think so. I mean, well, technically, no, neither one of them are supported. I guess they're still making Vitas, aren't they? They're no longer making PS3s. Yes, they are still making Vitas. As little as they're selling. I really kind of no. want to buy one again. Do it. I think I might. I don't know. What are you going to play on it? luminous oh shit what there's a story that i forgot to to mention i don't know how i forgot this what did you see the rumored uh playstation firmware update 5.0 updates no one of the big thing like rumored about these and it comes from i think it's comicbook.com which they've they've leaked other stuff before yeah but one of the things is playstation 1 classic support for your yeah. playstation 4 mm-hmm. so if you've bought all that shit on ps3 and vita and Ooh. psp you can now finally play it on your PS4. All of Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Yeah. I think it's the I only PS so Classic I bought. Oh, I have, I bought all the Resident Evils, all the Final Fantasies. Oh, wow. I bought okay. Twisted Metal. I bought the Raymans, the Spyro. I bought so much shit. Because, I mean, you'll see it all the time for like $1.49. I have mm-hmm. all the Mega Man games. Yeah. They're so cheap. Um, So, yeah, that's rumored to be in it. Another one is the rumor. It's you're finally going to be able to change your names. Your PSN, oh, really? I think. yeah. <laughs> um, I forget some of the other shit. Damn it! No, but like that was the big one. Is the the PS4 PS1 that's classics? That's awesome. That's a big that's big news. That should have been there from day one. Yeah, I mean, it, technically, it is still a rumor, but there are some legs to it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I think that's the end of our podcast today. Yeah, I yeah, 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 don't yeah, think yeah. have anything else to add. Yeah. Hey guys, I bet some of you look great right now listening to this, and some of you probably look like you should take a shower. So. If you look great, do it. If you don't, take a shower. 